This episode of How to Save the World is sponsored by Atik, a New Zealand zero-waste beauty company on a mission to rid the world of plastic waste. Check them out at atik.co.nz. That's Atik, E-T-H-I-Q-U-E. Hello and welcome to Fashion Week on How to Save the World. My name is Tim Batt. And I'm Waveney Worth. And this is a podcast dedicated to trying to find the easiest way to turn your life a little bit more sustainable. Uh, Waveney Worth has, Worth has been, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want. Tim Batt. Uh, <laughs> has been uh, walking the walk for um, a decade now. Yeah, about that. And I, Tim, have been doing it for just a short while. Well, I'm still kind of starting the little baby steps. It's such a journey. I'm still taking the baby steps. We're all on the walker, as Mariama Kamo would say. (laughs) And we're just, you know, we're we're all on the journey together. So it's the first day of Fashion Week today. So we thought we would um, dedicate the episode this week to talking about the environmental and human impacts of the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, It's always existed as long as there's been people, but it has changed a huge amount very recently. And um, there's huge environmental consequences to how it has changed. And you might notice a little bit of change in uh, sound quality today. That's because we are recording on location in my backyard instead of in the studio because it was a nice day. (laughs) Sunny. The other thing that's changed heaps about fashion, I reckon, Tim, is not just how it's all done and how it's all made, but our attitude to it as well and how we feel about fashion and or our clothing. Like it's gone from being just something that covers us to keep us warm to this mm. thing that expresses who we are and says so much about us, especially as our world's getting really quick. It's like this instant way to reach someone and it's like, a, like an instant language. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as things have become more sort of um, individualist and consumer orientated mm. and there's good and bad things that come with that that's definitely mm. um, fashion has played a big role um, in that do you want to take us through what we are going to cover this episode roughly yeah roughly we'll dive in we have got it's uh, the roadmap the road <laughs> well the first thing I thought we could set, set the scene look yeah. at the origins of fashion and particularly fast fashion mm. and you've been doing a bit of research on that eh? I have yeah uh, and then getting into the reduction and, uh, of the fabric and the clothing, uh, so sort of like the, the true cost of, of that. Then disposing, so basically just taking us through the life cycle of a, of a garment. And then, of course, we're going to finish with the solutions. Yes. And actually, this is a particularly um, weighty uh, topic with with a qu- quite a few mind blowing issues, yeah. uh, lots of things lurking behind the scenes. But conversely, it's also a topic with heaps and heaps of potential, and there's just so many. Like the solutions I have are as long as my arm. There's yeah. just so many cool things that we can be doing. There's there is so much opportunity because at the end of the day, this isn't one of those things like waste that we'll be able to knock out. Like fashion will exist. Yeah. <laughs> fashion will always exist, and fashion's a cool thing. Fashion's, fashion's fun. Yes, fashion is fun, and that's the perverse like upside of like, this really high turnover we've got is that yeah. it is fun you can get so many and it can still be fun it can still be fun and more environmentally friendly um than it is but yeah it's 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 an industry that's always going to be there so how do we kind of change its trajectory because at the moment it's not so good mm. so very broadly and look i have to confess <laughs> i am not a, a fashion person i like i'm a person who wears clothes that i bought you know, for about three or four years and then a hole develops large enough <laughs> that it's embarrassing to go in public with it. So I'll buy something to replace that item. But I, I have to confess, I'm not like a hugely fashion forward kind of a person. Um, my wife is very fashionable. And as long she, as there's one in the family. <laughs> I think you need someone looking yeah. after you. Yeah, I need my mind. Yeah, um, So I guess the, the origins of this is talking about how fashion has changed quite recently. And it has because... Up until quite recently, when we talked about the seasons of fashion, when you talk about a designer releasing seasons of mm. a collection, it was almost literally seasons. Initially, um, there was only uh, two a year. Yeah. And then there was four. It followed the calendar. And then um, along came this thing called fast fashion, which has only happened in my lifetime. It was only in the 90s that this happened. And a couple of things um, had to come together to create fast fashion. But first, just to sort of have a baseline, in case there's any questions about what fast fashion is, it's basically the uber-cheap 
constantly replenishing different mm. designs at um, these massive outlet stores. The biggest ones are Zara and H&M, uh, Top Man and Top... Um, crap. I don't Chop, know. Top Shop. Top Shop, thank you, <laughs> is, the, is the big one in the UK. And they're all designed around um, the idea of getting you in the store, buy a ton of clothes, and you won't wear them for very long, but mm. that's okay because they were so cheap, you can come in next week, find different designs that are even more up-to-date and just replace it with that. And I don't think that's anyone's intention when they're shopping. It's, it's that you go in there and you just think, oh, you fall in love with this piece of clothing and the fact that it doesn't go through the wash well or it just there's all of these things that suddenly you don't like about it or you don't you don't look as good as you thought you might in it. And next thing you find yourself, it's just that the cost totally. of it is so that, low. That's so true. I don't think anyone goes in going, I'm going to throw this in a bin in no, two months. Yeah, yeah. But that I is, want this to be disposable. But it's that just, is absolutely what is happening, that's though. What happens, so much yeah. is getting thrown out. And not just to pick on those guys either, because it's 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 so ubiquitous. There's like It is, but to be fair, those it's like just in the, and I'm not super knowledgeable in this, but the last couple of days I've been doing a lot of reading and watching mm. um, the different like interviews and docos about this, and it does seem like you know the big culprits really are huge like mm. the giants mm. are monolithic but in if you space. go into a mall you'll hit some pretty big big brand totally. retailers that that can put out a t-shirt for five bucks ten yes. bucks yeah. or even even 30 is yeah. still that is way cheaper than it than it should be i think yeah. to reflect the value of it um so the things that kind of came the ingredients that came together to give us fast fast fashion uh first i think globalism played a lot uh, to do with it so that kind of global supply chain um, developing countries there's actually a, a stage in sort of modern economics theory I think it's called the t-shirt phase so it's basically um, developing countries go through these different phases where yeah. to sort of um, the, increase the their theory, infrastructure yeah, both they, physical yeah. and their kind of people infrastructure they go through these different phases of manufacturing and things that they can make eventually I guess in this way of looking at things the pinnacle is having like a really um, science and technology uh, ready yeah, country you get there like in America the end, but you, yeah. you've got to go through the sweatshop first exactly exactly that's the idea so um, which is it actually is kind of bullshit because a lot of these countries get trapped in that mm. phase for, mm. right, for forever yeah really. we know now that yeah we yeah. know that now yeah. the other thing that um was an essential ingredient to give us fast fashion was the advent of polyester because we kind of forget but it's quite a new material um it's made from petroleum and it's a synthetic blend that is in most clothing now mm. um and we'll probably talk a little bit later about yeah we're going to cover stuff, that off yeah um associated with that but it has what it did is it basically unlocked a, just a world of cheap clothing manufacture so um, we were using developing countries with these increased uh, globalised supply chains so that we were able to use places like Bangladesh and China to produce um, and off the sweat and toil of essentially slave labour, incredibly cheap um, textiles processing and clothing and using these new materials which are very durable and very cheap but also incredibly energy intensive and really bad for the mm, environment mm. At, at the other end of it. Mm. Um, I remember that myself. It coming out? Well, just when I was a kid, it was just right at the end of the New Zealand textile industry collapse and uh, that generation of parents were expecting to be making the clothes for themselves and their kids because that's what everybody had ever had done yeah. prior to that. Um, to buy something new was a big treat because it was expensive because you're paying people wages that you'd be happy to live off yourself. So if it takes five hours to make something, then you're paying you know a decent amount of money for that. Yeah. And so that's... That, I just have those early memories of my mother making sweatshirts and, and well, a lot of knitting and yeah. sewing dresses and and then that all stopped everyone had a sewing machine eh? but by the time i got to high school the laws had changed uh we had more uh open trade Uh, the sweatshops had really started to get going yeah and um then fast forward 20 years and things have just gotten faster and faster yeah this is this is a really modern thing that's important to um 
keep remembering that. There was an interesting stat. A lot of the facts that I um, will be sort of regurgitating are from <laughs> Elizabeth Klein, who's this journalist who is a real fashionista, and she used to kind of be addicted to shopping and was very engaged in this fast fashion mode of things and then started looking into it and now has written two really excellent books about how it's terrible mm. um, for the world and particularly for the environment and she's a real advocate for getting people out of that cycle and trying to change these big global brands um, way of doing things so yep. she found this interesting stat that in 1938 in America unionized dressmakers were making $630 a week um, in modern <gasps> dollars so and that's like a very sort of comfortable yeah. living wage yeah. you know uh, doing the quick math it's like 50 a little over fifty thousand dollars a year us um wow. in modern dollars. so and if you you think about what that compares to now um right now globally one in six people work in apparel 80 percent of them are women and 98 percent of them are um, receiving less than a living wage are receiving less than a living wage. I came across um, a stat that for a a worker, a beginning worker in Bangladesh, which is like the bottom of the pile, uh, $10 a month. And and there's no mobility around that as well. There is whole generations and whole countries being trapped in this cheap labour phase. Um, Bangladesh has long had this problem where it sort of got into that phase of textiles manufacture and it, despite the workers trying to unionise and they're trying to increase conditions and stuff, they can't because they know that if they do, they'll lose their industry to whoever can treat their workers mm. the shittiest after them. Mm. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's an incredibly sad cycle of poverty that gets created at the bottom of this kind of chain when you're looking at these really cheap T-shirts and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like it's it's really hard to unionise in any circumstance. But in a, in a glo- basically this is a global phenomena that these workers would have to overcome to yeah. successfully unionise. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and just another little stat, textiles waste going to landfill has increased 40% mm. just in the decade between 2006 and 2016. Mm. So this isn't like in the last 40 years or whatever. How, many, in, how much percent? 40. It's, it's increased 40% clothes yeah. going to landfill just in the decade between 2006 and 2016. So mm. like it's, it's a... A problem that we have had for a little while, and it's accelerating. Like That's it's the thing, worse. actually. And we're I guess, in the midst yeah, of it not yeah, getting better yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, we're in the midst of this acceleration, and you would think it was already as fast as it could get. Yeah, so many of these environmental issues. It's crazy to find that out. That we like carbon emissions are going up right now. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. And by the way, uh, there's an off-quoted fact, which I saw a little bit of pullback to, but I think it's probably right. According to the Danish Fashion Institute, fashion or textiles, clothing, is right now the number two most polluting industry in the world, second only to oil. Yep. And I found that same statistic from somebody else, so I can concur. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's. It's quite. Um, tricky to tease out because there's a lot of inputs to it because it involves transportation. Oh, there's re- so yeah, much materials going yeah. around. It involves um, agriculture. It's cotton being grown and farmed. It's um, uh, you know uh, animal livestock to get the leather. It's there's all of, and dyes. So it's like petrochemicals yeah. and, and polyester and yeah. all of these blends. There's so many different. Should yeah. we should we get into some of that Absolutely. stuff now? Yeah, let's get into it. The um, yeah, if we look at the cost of fabric and clothing production, I guess we're looking at the synthetic fibres, the cotton, the cotton growing, um, human cost. Um, so maybe we start by looking at the cotton. Yeah. Um, it's a funny thing because it, 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 to me, my first uh, feel look of it all is that it's this um, natural thing yeah which I like I'm always looking for natural fibres we're told that's the good stuff right yeah but natural fibres it's like, a, a very similar to the stuff we've seen before about uh, farming food uh, just the high rate of pesticides or other farming practices that might not ultimately enhance the soil farming cotton turns out to be um, one of the most uh devastating things that you can be doing on your land. Um, It's a really, really high user of pesticides and water. Um, So it is in about almost half of our clothing. So it's by far the number one uh, natural fibre that's used. And it's mostly produced in 
well, not here is probably the <laughs> quickest way of saying it, but in developing countries, China's the number one cotton producer, which is interesting because I hadn't come across that much. I wouldn't yeah, I don't think, of them. think of China as a cotton producer. It, it, it turns out that they actually use most of their cotton. They're so big that they use most of it right. domestically. Uh, and then India comes in there, USA, Pakistan, Brazil, Uzbekistan. Um, plus there's a lot of countries that are into it. So... Um, most of the global cotton harvest comes from irrigated land, and it is the one of the most thirsty uh, crops. Or actually, this is because you know um, how. What was your main reason for going vegan? Water usage. Water usage. I yeah. remember you saying that. And so I, th- when I saw cotton on the top of the charts, so for one kilo of crop, it requires. Well, anywhere between seven and twenty nine thousand liters of water. So I was, and that is by far the the most crop hungry thing. So I was like, well, how does that compare to beef and lamb? And it's comparable. So potentially double beef. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, beef is fifteen and lamb's ten. Thousand. So and cotton's up to twenty nine. Up to twenty nine. Yeah. Man, I hate putting too many numbers on a podcast, but <laughs> for reference, so that's cotton is at the top of the thirstiest thing you can be doing with your land, and it might be twice the amount of beef. Well, which because is it's such a range, and actually that comes through with different countries. So US right. is much more water efficient; they're right. about eight thousand liters, but India, by contrast, is on twenty two thousand liters, wow. um, which is really sad actually, because India is kind of giving cotton. It's drinking water. There's so many people in India that don't have uh, enough drinking water. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, now, what was it? it? Most of that cotton water could supply 85% of the population with drinking water. With the cotton thing, how it's so, like, thirsty. Is there, is there good cotton, though? Yeah. Is there a good way to yeah, do you can, cotton? Yeah, you can grow cotton organically, which uses a lot less water and absolutely no pesticides um, at all. So organic cotton is, if you can find something that yeah. has got that um, tag on it, that, and I can tell you now from trying, um, it's pretty impossible if you've just gone to the mall and you're, you're eagerly looking at um, tags on things, hoping to find organic cotton. Yeah. It's only 1% of the world's production. Wow. And the way to get it is... Right on, now, <laughs> yeah. we can change it. It's, it, it, is growing, it, it is growing really fast, um, which is awesome. Mm. And yeah, just finding it online. Um, and But we can get into that too, because there's so many ways, little life hacks of finding it and getting some cool stuff that you Love like. Love a life hack wave. Yep. Yep. Love a life hack. Better than another statistic, Tom. Say <laughs> <laughs> statistic heavy episode. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so... Pesticides. Hate uh, them. Yeah. Not pro. No. I'm against. Okay, good. Me too. Um, the It is. Are you ready for this? This is a, I'm sitting down. This is a sticky statistic. Uh-huh. It is one of the most chemically dependent crops in the world. Oh, no. Oh, cotton no. is. Yeah, cotton is. Yeah. Shoot. So it's... It's small in terms of what we're mostly using our crop land floor for. It's like only about 2% um, of our cropland is in cotton, but it swallows up 25% of all insecticides. Holy shoot. Yeah. Man. It's like, that is enormous. That's it's crazy. It's huge, yeah. So basically, uh, there's some really full-on things happening um, in terms of ecosystem poisoning mm. and extinction. Um, so is that why? Because I keep kind of tripping over this online in my research that um, a lot of the topsoil is kind of being killed and destroyed. There's all these yeah. important kind of microfungal micro, Yeah, stuff. like yep. a whole ecosystem that yes. exists in this topsoil, which is completely essential yes. for the grass and everything we do that's on top right. of it. Yeah. That's been completely destroyed, and that's due to the huge amounts of pesticides that's being used. That's right, yeah. It's really sad, actually. It's, it's kind of, I've heard it referred to as an ecological narcotics tragedy. Because it's like, if you think of the comparison there, um, it's it's addictive because you see you have this kind of increase of of all the good things at the beginning, so profitability and um, harvest, but then it actually just slowly decreases over time, and, and right. the pesticides get less and less effective. So to sort of keep up with yourself, you've got to keep putting more and more on the land. And meanwhile, you're poisoned. Man, you're actually, like heroin. That's a good yeah. parallel. <laughs> <laughs> its effectiveness goes down. 
you have to keep topping it up and all the while it's kind of slowly killing the body. Yeah, and the fa- fa- actually literally too because the farmers that are caught up in this, they're actually building up debt having to pay the pesticide companies. Um, and then it gets it, it's often to the point where um, they end up not being able to pay their bills and they actually end up just drinking the pesticide and killing themselves. Wow. Yeah. It's um, apparently the uh, the largest recorded wave of suicides in human history is from Indian farmers and farming shit. cotton. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty. That's and this super is our gnarly. standard. This is the standard stuff you just buy in the mall, or you go, oh, that's a good cheap T-shirt, and we just yeah. we just. Well, to be fair, we don't have that visibility, but we're yeah. just not connecting with yeah. the reality of what it is for people to be farming it. And the other thing uh, that goes along with it is the the huge, like, it's bad enough here. Like, um, there's a really good movie called True Cost, which if you haven't seen, that's just covers the global fashion industry. Um, and they've got a really good segment there um, about some of the really high rates of cancer in the US where they farm cotton. But there's also, um, that's where things are regulated. Um, and then in India, in the Punjab, um, they've, which is their big cotton growing district, they have, they use 50% of all the pesticide in India, in that one region. And you just go into a, so someone's done a study on the effects of pesticide and they found that they go into just like a, a regular village and you've got 70 to 80 kids in every village with severe mental and physical handicaps. And they've got these dr- like dramatic rise, rises in birth defects and cancer and a mental illness as well. Oof. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, um, it makes sense yeah. though. It's, it's because the whole point of pesticides is that it kills it, things yes. on contact. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that is going to be detrimental to human health as well. Because its right. very purpose is to kill yeah. living things on contact with it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's we're not, we're not different to that, it. to the stuff. Yeah. It, um, and then it's just, well, you know, there's the studies that they do to say, oh, you know, it's okay, uh, really are based on how much you might have uh, contact to if you used it once or something yeah. like that, as opposed to where it all accumulates. And, and so it's it's really, well, what are the effects over your lifetime? And then you, then you take away the controls that we have um, and then you go to these developing countries and then often they don't even have the awareness around um, the, the safety issues mm. either. Um, and then um, the sort of putting those two as- – and it, oh, it's not just cotton, by the way, either. Yeah, it's, we've focused a lot on uh, cotton yeah, so yeah, far. Like leather, leather tanning, the tanneries, mm-hmm. they're, 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 any leather um, buying new I would, I would definitely try and avoid. Um, and then even fabric dyeing. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't do much uh, research into that, but it's it's very similar stuff. It's just discharging pretty toxic stuff into waterways, sometimes into basins that uh, are supporting populations over a million people, and they can't drink that water anymore. Another um, awful disaster, but in quite a different way um, that I came across. I kind of I kind of really vaguely rang a bell. Um, and that's the RL Sea. Have you? I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's A R A L RL Sea. I'm not going to be able to correct you on that. Sorry, <laughs> wait. It, what is a, that? Well, it, I'm going to give it away as soon as I say. But it was the fourth largest lake in the world. Um, it's the most, or was the most significant body of water for the Central Asian region, region which is it was really important oasis for Silk Road, and right. so that that sort of area. And it's actually, so fourth largest lake just a few decades ago, it has literally almost disappeared directly as a result of the cotton industry. Whoa. It is like, you can just imagine the equivalent in the States with those great lakes just completely disappearing. So, um... That used to be obviously a really significant that lake for nuts. everybody, and and you know villages that had like thirty thousand people involved with yeah. fishing and canning and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that, there was this one particular village that had all of this stuff going on. Then they are now two hundred and fifty kilometres from the shore of where the lake is now. And that used to be coastal. That used to be coastal. Just like we're Whoa. talking, uh, sort of fifteen. 20 years ago that like it's, a, it's just nuts. one generation 
the scale of this thing and this is the thing because our behavior has changed so much it's the whole fast fashion thing like how i was saying that seasons went from sort of a designer putting out a collection twice annually to being four times in line with the seasons and now it's literally multiple times a week oh, for example man. the h&m comes in there was a um a stat i think it's f- they i think it was h&m yeah it is h&m release and i'm sure that this is um emblematic of others as well in this space mm. 500 different items a year so more than one a day are being brought into the shop so it's this constant um wow. replenishing of different designs on the on the shelves of this super cheap product <laughs> and like the thing is as well is that i it's tricky with this episode because we want to give you the the info the real truth of what's going on it's heavy and i know that it can be quite overwhelming and especially if you enjoy fashion like this is a lot to take in and the thing is with fast fashion i kind of get it as well because even though i'm not a fashion person i can totally see the appeal of previously there were all of these fantastic clothes which were out of most people's reach in the middle class or lower middle class and suddenly you've got these shops that open up which go hey just because you're not uber rich doesn't mean you can't look fantastic and wear the same stuff as the superstars you know it looks exactly the same so there's kind of in that way it's kind of this democratization of fashion which is great but what we need to keep in mind is there is a huge environmental and human cost at mm. the other side of that transaction as well. Um, and it's just mm, well in this said, Tim. Yeah. change in behavior of, of just constantly shopping. And there's been so much time and energy putting into psychologically training us to shop all That's the time. That's so true. Because we, it was, you know, it's hard for us to re- remember, but we just have to ask the generation um, before us, they had to be trained out of fixing things. Yeah, um, and it's it's it kind of goes against the grain um, to just throw something out that you know is perfectly good. Yeah, um, and it's as a result of making things so cheap that you wouldn't even consider. It just comes it up. down like this. It's the cheapness. Mm. Um, it just comes down to to how. There's just no opportunity cost for us. Like ten bucks is uh, for, you know, a a piece of clothing that we really really like and think is really cool is such a small amount to pay. Yeah. And we've got this huge disconnect with even the skill it's taken to yeah. to make it. I don't know. What do we think that it's made by machines? Apparently, that yeah. the reason why fashion is the most labour intensive industry in the world is because it's human hands. Like there's these people that we don't know that mm. have that are touching and are making our clothing we don't we don't they've all got faces and dreams and personalities and we don't think of it yeah i don't i've never thought of it before i'm only just thinking of it now yeah, same. Like, you know if, when, if, because i've just got my head in it yeah but, wave and i aren't holier than thou for sure this is just because we're fresh off the the back of yeah. a few days of like intense kind of research around this issue but it's 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 really making me think of a lot of stuff it just, that I'm doing. Even because I do a lot of op shopping, but mm. and in and I guess yeah, I had just never thought of it. Like the clothes I'm wearing right now have all been touched by these yeah. people, like yeah. hands, Someone human hands that have made them. Yeah. Um, just another point on the fast fashion thing as well. So there is and Elizabeth Klein, um, the journalist I mentioned before, who's written the two great books about this phenomenon. Uh, it, it has talked quite a bit about this. There's been some huge moves by the big fast fashion brands to introduce quote-unquote sustainability programs. So like recycle bins where you can come in, drop your clothes off, get a $5 voucher per, I think it's done by weight, which just goes to show how like, you know, disposable they're, they're commoditizing these items. Um, and so she's kind of dug into it and it turns out that less than 1% of those donated fibers can be are recycled um there was a quote here by someone who's in charge of the waste management programs for a city in montreal i believe i'll just try and find it now um and she said that it takes uh 12 years to recycle something that it would take h&m like 48 hours to bring into the store and sell Mm. so there's just no incentive for them to really be dealing with this ethically and um elizabeth klein actually said H&M are 
at the top of the food chain in terms of sustainability. They score the highest among these big fashion retailers. And what they're doing is greenwashing. Mm. So can you imagine mm. everyone else mm. doesn't even make the moves? She did point out that Levi's is doing some interesting stuff around water usage, um, really dedicating some R&D dollars to try yep. and bring that down. Yep. But oh, and that's you what have I... to be really careful about how these brands are... Um, they're pumping out advertising and and PR materials around how sustainability is a big concern of theirs and they're introducing recycling programs and stuff. And frankly, from the bits that I've seen of people who are critically looking at these programs, they're almost totally BS. The whole and, chain of their industry yeah. is not helpful and that's the thing that needs to change. And recycling for me, that is such, in, in the context of, your clothing is just such an, a red flag. It's like, it, because there are some things that we should just be thinking of as uh, a bit more permanent than, you know, it's that, that classic, we've talked about it before with recycling, how you've got a perfectly good glass bottle, but instead of using it again, you just smash it up. Yeah. And, you know, it could, if we had a different system, it could have lasted you for actually 100 years or indefinitely, really, until you've broken it. Broken it. But uh, we used to care for our clothing. It, oh, my, I, I, a while ago, um, my mother and I were looking through photographs uh, of, on my dad's side of uh, weddings and things, like quite old photos, and we came across this photo of my dad's uh, grandmother, and mum's like, oh, I think she's wearing the same dress in these two photos, and then she, it's just, we only had three photos of her, and they're all sort of in the crowd at weddings, so she's got her best dress on, and the, the, these three photos span oh, decades, and we looked really, like, we've got the magnifying glass out, looked really carefully, we're like, it's the same dress. Amazing. Yeah. That was her good dress. That was, was her, her good, good dress. dress. And, you know, she had a little frill on the bottom of it that could be re-sewn and taken off and, and that could get recycled or yeah. whatever. But, like, this idea that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right thing because, I've you know, I've worn my T-shirt now for... On average, we use things for three years, um, and but that actually includes the entire life cycle of it. So if you, Is it if from you, when it's made, yeah, from from when it's bought to when, so maybe you op shop it, and then somebody else wears it, and then maybe oh, somebody see. else wears it, and then it's three years in total. So your average person who's buying things new would have something for a lot less and to be like oh it's okay because I can put it in this recycling bin is actually like just making things worse because it's taking any sense of um, extending the life cycle of it well no just uh, our understanding that this is perhaps not a great thing yeah (laughs) it just that just all goes out the window because we've got this um, annoying little sort of green light that that switches off all the logic in our brain oh it's okay I've recycled it yeah but there's so many clothes being thrown out. Um, the example I saw was in, in New York City that there are companies now that are setting up businesses that are roaming around just collecting clothes that have been thrown in the trash yeah. to recycle them to turn them into insulation for like pillows mm. and um, oh, nuts. mattresses and stuff. Yeah. It is crazy. And just uh, well, I remember as well, like, so polyester is in most stuff unless you actively look at the labels and, and try and avoid it. Um, one of the really there's a few quite bad things about polyester. Uh, one is that it's super energy intensive to make. And the other is that when you wash it, little microplastics come off of it and mm. wash um, out of your washing machine into the water cycle, mm. the, the water, mm. what do you call yeah, that? Yeah, because we're kind downstream. of, yeah, we've gone, we've kind of ruined it for everyone now with cotton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like, oh, maybe, maybe a polyester shirt's the answer. Yeah, polyester's really not good. Apparently it's got double the carbon footprint of a cotton shirt. There you go. Yeah. So if it's between the two, go cotton. I've I didn't look into this enough, unfortunately. But um, do you know anything about linen? Oh, linen is heaps better than cotton. That's what I got the sense, of, and it's made from flax, apparently. And hemp is really good too. Yeah, man, we need to get into hemp. Now, <laughs> speak my language. This stuff lasts forever. It's good. Heard, it's good stuff. I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to share a conspiracy theory with you that I read online many years ago. I'll see if I can remember it right. That the one of the main reasons that they like had this big campaign against marijuana in the States and the whole war on drugs. One of the early origins of that was um, apparently it was Levi's that did it. 
because they were making jeans originally out of hemp and they lasted so long that people buy a pair and they'd last for years. And then they switched to denim, which wears out quicker. quicker. And so they had to kind of like get people away from hemp because it lasts so long that people would only buy one, you know, every yeah. five years instead of three or four or five pairs. And so they kind of like introduced this whole reefer madness wacky backy marijuana will make you you know do crazy things because they're completely different plants that's the hilarious thing about it yeah. is that these poor apparently it was in the states i think we may have been watching the same videos <laughs> apparently in the states all well the farmers, maybe it's just true it's they, the other they, thing. they all had hemp just it was just part of how they they had the plants so that they could make their ropes and um this we're going way back like a yeah. hundred years before yeah. you could just go down to the shop and buy any of that stuff and it was just one of the most common plants because people needed the fiber for it um, super strong yeah, super it, good but just got totally vilified mm. and apparently a big part of that was companies wanting to sell denim because it can wear out way quicker and isn't it bizarre it's so sad <laughs> that as we're getting closer and closer to the brink of uh using up all of our resources mm. that we are actually getting just better and better at extracting them <laughs> just you know. things are turning though so um did you want to talk about the life cycle of the garment um, oh, quickly well, before with the we synthetics. start getting a little lighter on this and <laughs> focus on some solutions. Um, with the synthetic stuff, uh, you mentioned the microplastic. So just to touch on that, uh, clothing and textiles, uh, the number one source of microplastics in the ocean. Rats. Da -da -da -da. Here I was thinking it was straws from the cafe. Which you've already on top of, right? Yeah. Yeah, feeling well, good about yourself. They, they did it for no. me. <laughs> Cafes took care of that. Even better. Um, and when we just do a wash of clothes, that can release about 700,000 particles of plastic from the synthetic fibres. It all goes somewhere, folks. Yeah, this is the thing. It doesn't go away. It just goes uh, through the water works and into the oceans. Um I think there's a few filters along the way, but basically the plants haven't been designed to deal with the huge quantity. Mm. And that we're talking about some very, very small fibres that can't be seen by the human eye. So you think, oh, well, what does it matter? And but it's also not biodegradable at the end of the day. No. Like it's, it's just, it's going to get down to a certain point of smallness and then just remain. It gets ingested. It gets incorporated into living organisms. Uh, that plastic has a crazy quality of attracting other toxins to it right. so it actually starts off fairly inert but then um, uh, gathers tox all of the other toxins that we've right. released um, through pesticides or leads or heavy metals uh, they they collect them to the plastic particle and Ooh, that's yeah, not good so death um, sponge Death sponge yes so it is a good thing to avoid <laughs> In summary, mm. so I think and it makes you sweat more too. I don't, I don't like the feel of it. Makes it, no, I don't wearing, like the static. And I, I'm wearing a synthetic jacket wearing? right now. This has got polyester. Mm, actually, this is probably polyester. But too. as we sort of transition into the more solutionsy bit, in my defence, if I if I can speak on my own behalf, in defence, Your Honour, I like wear the ever loving crap out of my clothes. That is a very good defense. I have one of these jackets. I wear this jacket almost every day. I was in the market for a light jacket a year and a half ago because I didn't have anything for normal Auckland weather, which is like, it might do what it's doing today, which is kind of rain a little bit, but be yes, quite warm. Yes, if we started where, uh, this episode right now, we would have gone inside, eh? It's gone all <laughs> yeah, cold. Exactly. That's, that's the subtropical climate for you. But... My point being, so I, went, I knew what I wanted to get. I wanted to get a light jacket and I bought it. I wear it all the time. And I'll probably keep wearing this for another like couple of years. I really don't have a lot of... I, I have a bit of clothes, but I don't have a ton of clothes, really. I've got... I think that's something guys through a bunch are of better at. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, don't think that it's, um, you know, all your fault. This is something that we're all having to fight against because... There are some very invested money interests who have brainwashed us into thinking that the way things are right now is normal and the way that they should be in terms of like, particularly women have to constantly refresh their um, fashion and style. Um, 
there's a real issue at the moment by all of the problems we're describing at the moment around fast fashion being exacerbated by social media, um, Instagram mm-hmm. influencers yep. who yep. there's like uh, this genre of videos that I hadn't heard about. Called, I think they're called haul videos. Oh, of like yes. H-A-U-L yep. where, where they've got like a hundred bucks yeah. and they go to Topshelf. And they get all excited top about the... <laughs> <laughs> Is that a little I know about this stuff? <laughs> top, top shop and like how great a wardrobe can you create for a hundred bucks? And it's just encouraging this... Mm. Um, disposable clothing sort of Mm. And the, the, there's the the other thing is that we have been told through those marketing messages that uh, if you buy into this and if if you look good, then that will be solving these issues that you have in your life, and Absolutely. you'll be more liked or more well loved or whatever your phobias are. That's, that's and, not and, and from it's, nothing it's, as well. It's the opposite. But like, there is there is something you know. There's there is something to um, being presentable and wanting to be kind of the best <laughs> possible version of yourself you could be. And I Absolutely. totally. Absolutely, but I don't think that's the bar that we're we're at now. Like we, as a society, we're just becoming more. Again, you're like, where where where, where does it end? If you compare the generations and how um, each generation's just a little bit more focused on their image and their like a classic word that I've seen in my lifetime is with guys, like the whole metro. Met, metrosexual thing. Like guys just didn't used to care at all about. They didn't have sort of fancy haircuts or trim their beards or it just was just totally off the radar and now there's a whole heap of say skin products for men and just the whole like the sort of the ante gets upped every generation yeah and it's complicated because in some ways i think that that's cool from a social point of view that guys can't they have a whole other spectrum of options open to them if if that's stuff that they want to do but it's just the problem is it's all being packaged by people making money, money off it yeah, and usually yeah. really bad for a lot of workers often at the end of the supply chain and for the environment as yeah. well. Yeah, and, and I guess actually that's what I was coming back to is that as, as, as the stuff becomes a bigger focus in our lives with, through consumption and focusing on image, uh, it's statistically tied to uh, anxiety yeah. and depression and lots of other that, that unhappiness statistics, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Atik. Atik is a New Zealand natural beauty company that stopped over 3.3 million plastic wow. bottles going to landfill. That is a lot, eh? It's like, that's a lot. Their gorgeous hair, face and body wash products are mindfully packaged in biodegradable and compostable materials because Atik are dedicated to building a better world. Atik's products are all certified animal cruelty free, made of only plant-based and vegan ingredients and they're kind to your wallet because they last two to five times longer than bottled beauty products. Get yourself or someone you care about some Atik today by going to atikworld.com. And that's Atik, E-T-H-I-Q-U-E. It's French, I think. But let us turn to solutions and, and bright, happy stuff. Because the good thing is, while I was looking at this issue and doing all this reading and stuff, there's so many great brands that are popping up now all over in like local locations there's so many great New Zealand brands that are popping up that have a real system focused dedication and commitment to being more sustainable and better for workers absolutely people that have started their journey at that point rather than having to sort of go at it backwards uh, they've gone we want a solution um, so how can we go about creating a company that's going to be the solution exactly yeah yeah. Um, if you're wanting just a one-stop shop, um, I can really highly recommend, we're so lucky to have it actually, the Good On You app, um, which is, uh, I think, the world's global leading um, source of information on these supply chains for all of the big companies. And they've got a New Zealand version, so you're awesome. able to check out what's going on in New Zealand. So you, or you just you just download the app. Um, good you can on you, you. Yeah, good on you. You can use it in different ways. The way I typically use it is by putting in the 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 brand uh-huh. uh, and then it will give you a rating um, from... I think it's like something like we wouldn't use it through too great. Mm-hmm. Um, really simple, really easy to understand. And if the company that you liked um, is not really that great, they actually give you alternatives and can, can suggest brands that oh, are great. really good in that space. Yeah, they're cool. Because it's like, oh, well, if you like the look of that, then here are some others that are sort of similar. Um, so that is just a big corner cutter. It saves having to do your research yourself on... That's so great. It's so good. At the risk of 
<clears throat> highlighting just one company as well. One that kept coming up for me was Patagonia. Ah, uh, yes. They seem like they are all in on the sustainability they're all thing. in and the thing I like about them is their their advertising campaigns basically saying don't buy our stuff yeah you're much you've, better off just repairing the stuff you've got yeah and if and you are gonna buy it please think carefully I about think, it I think I read that they've got the the single largest in terms of textiles the single largest repair um factory in North America just dedicated to you send your clothes and they'll, they'll patch them up for you oh, legends and they're all about engineering themselves out of your life a little bit like buy one jacket from us yeah, and then and we'll should never see you again. Yeah, yeah. if you're in the market for a jacket get one like it'll it, you know it's good quality stuff mm. it's made the right way mm. um, it treats people right so it is expensive but you will buy one yeah. <laughs> and you're done and there's a lot of us because they're a global market and so they're so cool it's a good I love them as a brand like yeah, yeah, yeah they're awesome it is a little bit more outdoor wear and sort of um, a little bit tramp adjacent or camping adjacent yeah. but man I just <laughs> yeah, think they're the coolest brand it's not all occasions brand. yeah it's so but, cool um, no we've got some cool examples do you want should we go through don't some, go through yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, I don't have much on this so there's um, Koto. And, How do you spell that? Uh, K O W T O W. Oh, my wife buys them. She's onto it. Oh, yeah. that's the, your fashion representative, isn't it? Yeah. In the relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, recreate, wear, actually, yeah. I don't know how you say that because it's got the hyphen in the middle of it. Say again. Wear, wear. Oh, that's wear. clever. Maggie Marilyn's also awesome. Karen Nathan. And then Untouched World as well. And you know what? Um, yeah, they, they, so a lot of those guys, they're not necessarily like your big box. Um, again, it might not be everything for all occasions. But I think like buying new is very problematic. Uh, and if you're going to buy new, then yeah, you do. You put the effort in and you find these companies that are doing some cool stuff. And you might be paying a bit more. Mm. Um, but it's like... Over and over again, that's what we've been saying is the issue, isn't it? Is that things are just so cheap. We don't, yeah. um, the quality's not really that great. Um, we're going through things faster than what we ever intended to. Um, they don't quite meet up to our expectations. So if you're buying something that's been made really, really well, um, and if it, you know, it's like with anything, when it costs you an arm and a leg, you uh, really look after it. Yeah. You really and look you love after it. it. Yeah, you do. And you don't, you, you don't want to give it up in a year's time or mm. whatever. And yeah, you're a bit more cautious and you're. Yeah, I, even uh, even that question of asking yourself, will it date? You know, yeah. I think particularly with women's fashions, there can be some really weird stuff with like holes in weird places or whatever. Very fashion forward. <laughs> yeah, and you're items. like, it's, well, it's very trendy, but mm. it's like really, uh, they're just not designed to Fashionist be. Fashion is temporary, style is forever. Oh, that's beautiful. Get stylish stuff. I like Trendy's my, close to trashy. My oh, but I mean, so you see, so you've got you've got style, and yeah. then you've got fashion, and then kind of the, I just think of like that trendy thing as almost yeah. like one past fashion as yeah. well. It's like get, just getting to that really, really quick, fast stuff. There's honestly a lot of people who have put a lot of time and energy into trying to get money out of you in the fashion industry, and Playing on our insecurities. The one tip that kept everyone said it, and it's like, yeah, of course, just buy less is the umbrella. Just yeah. please try and buy less stuff. And there's lots of different ways to attack that. And one um, interesting technique, because I bloody love shopping. I love a shop. I love online do you, shopping. Tim? I do. Um, just not clothes, other stuff. So one good tip that I heard is um, you put something in your cart and you leave it there for X amount of time so I've heard like one month or two weeks and then yep. put a thing in your calendar come back to it look in two weeks and actually make That's the decision a great if idea. you want it mm. it takes a, well Di was talking about that I think Di Henwood when we had him on mm. it takes away that kind of impulsive purchasing behaviour that we're constantly mm. doing mm. Um, but like you know you go into these stores and everything has been engineered to make you it's the the peppiness of all the salespeople there who are just like jumping up ready to help you with anything the type of music that they play really high tempo like edm music yeah. it's the way they've lit the place it's the way that everything's laid out is totally to separate you from your money so just remember that shopping is fun and like i get it man <laughs> shopping's fun and fashion shopping is fun. endorphins totally it's a real thing and and that's why i'm like loath to just lay a bad thing after bad thing on this episode because Ultimately, like it's a fun thing and and it's a very human thing, and I get that. But it is you need to know 
super destructive this fast fashion thing and there is a better way that we could be doing it mm. so please mm. buy less and when you are buying do what Waveney said good on you yeah good on Great your app. app and then just I guess it's sort of what we've been saying maybe just to sum up just make that connection every time you buy that it's it's like, and then because we've got such a disconnect from our our head that when we're engaged with something like this and we're going yep yep we're nodding our head and and we can all see it it all makes sense but then it's like I don't know it's your your daughter's wedding or your kid's fundraiser or we just we just instantly put it into a different component part of our head yeah and we're not thinking oh is that is that fair trade organic is it what's the environmental footprint of it we just don't it's just gone so it's somehow how do you make that let how do you get rid of that disconnect resonate in your head let it marinate in your brain and you know these ideas they they seep in as long as you keep thinking about them i mm, think mm. and the other the other thing i think because for myself personally um i would be buying new oh i don't know less than 10 percent of the time uh it's the big release valve on all of this is op shopping yeah, it's just that turns something that is tricky uh, and expensive to do to do ethically into something that's fun and cheap. Yeah. So uh, to me, op shopping's a big win-win. Um, and the only thing I would add to that would be, don't go thinking that uh, if you're buying new that you can be just dumping your clothes to charities and that that's sort of absolving you of any part of this. Yeah, we won't get into that because we're kind of wrapping up but there's some horrible stats about how much of that actually goes yeah, to people basic, and how much gets into landfills. Exactly, they're basically overwhelmed mm. and a lot of it's just getting landfilled. Yeah. And bizarrely, a garment emits more than its own weight in CO2s when it's landfilled. That's so I wait what I don't understand I how that happens, but yeah, it's um. Well, I guess if it's made of like petrocarbons that have been processed, maybe it's sort of reflective of. Oh, I the guess it's because it's binding the in. oxygen somehow. So then it's, it's taking it's the carbon and hey, anyway, we're not anyway, scientists, whatever. as you may be able to tell. But it's very B grade science. Yeah, those yeah. are your tips. Try and buy less if you can. Go up shopping. Use good on you. Yes, good on you. Oh, and the other guys to check out. Buy some linen. uh, Get your hemp. (laughs) uh, The other guys to check out are fashionrevolution.org. Oh yeah, they are. If you if you've got a bit of an activist in you, um, or even if you're just wanting to connect with others, look at events, that kind of stuff. Um, those guys do some really cool stuff. There's Fashion Revolution in New Zealand as well. You can find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and they just do cool stuff. Like every year, they do a Fashion Revolution Week uh, to commemorate that Rana Plaza disaster, and they are awesome. Great. And there's another event too that you could get along to, Fashion Week, um, if they haven't already sold out. Um, and that is in the Auckland Town Hall on the 31st of August, uh, part of Fashion Week. And it's called Fashion in Focus, where they've got um, four amazing speakers, actually. For some of the guys we've mentioned. Tickets are only $45. Um, so you'll be looking at uh, talking to... Um, Koto, Maggie Marilyn, Kerry Nathan and Untouched World and then also you get all the bells and whistles with the um, the broader week as well. I think you get into other stuff. Oh, and, that's cool. Yeah, you get some passes to stuff or whatever. Sweet. So we'll it's check worth, a link worth for checking that. out. Yeah. Nice one. Well, I'm off to not buy any clothes now. Yeah, I'm off to not do anything like that either. All right, have fun out there, folks. Fashion's fun, shopping's fun, but, you know, keep the stuff in mind. Keep it real. And we'll catch you on the next episode of How to Save the World. Thanks again to our wonderful sponsor, Atik. Atik are a zero-waste beauty company dedicated to ridding the world of plastic waste. Woo. Get yourself or someone you love some Atik products from atikworld.com.